Jewish Latin Princess, episode 65, Rina Reiser, intuitive eating coach and host of Jewish Intuitive Eating Journeys podcast. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. Imagine this. You baked a cake, your favorite, and your family's favorite, I don't know, chocolate, and you feel like having a slice. So you turn on the water kettle to boil some water for tea. You take out a plate, not the disposable, the real, the china. You cut yourself a slice and you put it on the plate serve yourself your tea, and you sit and you have your tea and cake. You may finish it. Perhaps you don't even finish it because maybe you realize that you're full, you're satisfied. You put the dishes back into the dishwasher and you continue with your day and you don't think about the cake again. Is that possible? My guest says it is. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about intuitive eating with intuitive eating coach and podcast host, Rena Reiser. Rena is an intuitive eating coach and the creator of the Jewish Intuitive Eating Journeys podcast. But Rena is not a newbie to Jewish Latin Princess. She's a friend of the show. I had Rena way back at the beginning of my podcasting journey in one of my most downloaded episodes, episode number nine. Back then, Rena and I decided discuss the personal journey that led her to intuitive eating and to becoming a certified intuitive eating coach, the struggle women have with food. And yes, we even delved into why this is a struggle, not just prevalent in popular culture, but even within the observant Jewish world. I encourage all of you to go back and listen to that episode, episode number nine, and you'll see why it's one of my most popular episodes. Now, do you trust yourself around food? Do you call yourself an emotional eater? Have you tried every diet and food program in the planet? Well, Rena's going to talk about that and a lot more. What does she mean when she talks about counterfeit control? What lies at the other side of going through deep emotional and mental work with regards to our relationship with food? That sounds scary, but hey, it might get you out of the dieting cycle once and for all. And according to Rena, this deep work can translate into growth and transformation in other areas of our lives. Is weight loss the motivator to embark on an intuitive eating program? What does unconditional permission to eat have to be balanced with? Listen to Rena's answer because without that piece, you're missing what intuitive eating is all about. It's time to start relearning how to listen to our inner intuition, something my guest says all women have, and I would have to agree. So listen up, ladies. Here's Rena Reiser. Reiser, welcome back to Jewish Latin Princess. Wow, thank you for having me back. I can't believe it's been a year, a little bit more than a year. It's been a little bit over a year and amazing. You were back with me in episode number nine, which by the way, you should know is one of my top episodes, one of my most popular episodes. Pretty cool. Yes, it's really awesome. And so much has happened since you were here last over a year ago. Namely, you have a new podcast, the Jewish, Jewish Intuitive Eating Journeys. 
Ladies. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about that. You've also changed the name of your website, which was previously towards healthybalance.com to renareiser.com. And you've changed a little bit your intuitive eating group program. So we have a lot to discuss. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you. So tell us first about your new podcast. How do you like podcasting? And what made you add this to your offer to your community? It's such an interesting thing because going back many years in my life, I shied away from having to ever express myself with my, you know, my, my word. I remember standing in seventh grade at the front of the classroom trying to give a book talk and being so shamefully embarrassed to just present the book talk that we had to give and laughing and, and, you know, simultaneously crying. And I can remember the look on my teacher's face of like, oh my goodness, here we go again. And it led me for many years, just, just being ashamed to be able to stand up and express myself orally people. Really? Yeah. And I was like, I am never going to be a teacher. I'm never going to do any of that stuff. And that's probably why for many years I was a computer programmer. It was, you know, very (laughs) nice and convenient to hide behind a computer and not really have to um, teach. So, but you know, Hashem has very interesting ways of helping us express our true calling in this world. And the more I worked with my clients, the more I kept hearing the same thing from them. You know, your voice is just so relaxing. Mm. It's so calming. You're so reassuring. There's something about my voice that people really connected to. And I realized that that's a way for me to really be able to reach the people that I want to reach. Um, Writing, you know, can lose the, even though right now nobody can see me, but you can still get a sense for my body language through my voice Yes, and how I'm expressing things. Exactly. The emotions, which which can get lost in the written word. Mm -hmm. And so actually, after you had me on the podcast, last year that's what sparked the idea in my mind that I needed to start a podcast are you serious yes <laughs> and that's I so actually cool. <laughs> I, yeah I was so pumped and I right away I interviewed a few people and then there was some stuff going on in my personal life and I couldn't launch it then and then when everything finally you know relaxed again and I was able to revisit the idea of having the podcast I actually realized I wanted to do it in a completely different way than the way I had started it a year ago mm-hmm. um what is that way then How did it, what what did it become? So it actually, it became this idea of reaching out to women who have gone through this journey, whether they were my client or whether they worked with a different coach or just just did it completely on their own Mm -hmm. and allowed them to express the journey that they went through from like the difficulties and the hardships and how counterculture it is and everything they went through so that they could reach this gold mine called Peace with Food. And through relating to these women's journey, women the women who are currently either dabbling with the idea of maybe trying intuitive eating or maybe they've already started and it's not the easiest journey to go on. So hearing that other women, you know, came out the other end, so to speak, with enthusiasm and excitement can be very, very encouraging for women to hear. I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant because people do need that sense of, oh, there's somebody who's struggling with the same thing as I am. There there is other people who can understand me. There's that, you know, being being able to relate to another human being and that need for a community that, you know, we, we can reach out to others to go through whatever journey we need to go through together. It's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, whenever I start working with a new woman, so she'll say something to me like, but I'm different. Like you've like probably never experienced this before. <laughs> and the truth is that like, of course, we're all so unique and we're all so different. Everyone comes with their own package, but the underlying issues are generally the same. 
same. And so hearing that someone else went through that and came out the other end can be so encouraging. Yes, yes. And even when the issues are not, or the struggle is not exactly the same, just the fact that other people can be empathetic to the fact that because they're struggling with their own things, you know, just just that can can lift an immense weight of people's shoulders and yeah. give them a lot of validation a lot, and a lot of encouragement to keep going at whatever they're working at. Exactly. Working on. So, so let's go to what they're working on when they go to you, when they go to, they reach out to you for your group program or for your one-on-one coaching. You already mentioned the term peace with food. And I've heard you compare the way we relate to food to as to an area of personal growth. And you've also said that it can be one of the most fulfilling journeys of a person's lives or women's lives because your work specifically for women. It gives me the sense that you're asking your students to go deep. Mm -hmm. What is it that women are doing when they're doing this work with you? Okay. So to answer this, we have to take a little bit of a step back and understand the war that we're having with food so that we can understand why we would want to even come to peace with food. Mm -hmm. So we live in a culture where um, we are, I'm like, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> where we fight our body sizes, where we end up fighting with all sorts of different food. Um, and so what that looks like is women either trying to restrict foods, eat only like a certain number of calories a day or only specific foods. And what invariably happens is because they're under eating and or restricting themselves, they end up overeating the very foods that were off limits or going beyond the amount of calories that they allowed themselves to eat that day or the diet allowed themselves to eat, allowed them mm-hmm. to eat. And what I see time and time again and there are lots of books written on this and it's just so validating to see this in the books that you know it's not just my own experience this is a worldwide phenomenon happening especially with women when we have our intuitive sensitive selves that are out there in this big world where we're told to just push 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 ahead and when we have difficulties that come up which we all have on various levels varying levels whether it's difficult emotions or difficult thoughts that come up it's easy to just turn to food and make food our the thing that we lean on, the thing that we turn to. And by turning to food in that moment, right, by whether it comes through dieting, through restricting, through not allowing ourselves to have those foods, we create a distraction from everything else that's going on in our lives. And it allows it, it takes us out of our intuitive self mm-hmm. and makes us think very black and white and very, dare I say this, a very masculine way of relating to our lives. Yes. And so when you, when women do, when women recognize that there is some work to be done in this area of their lives, you, I think you're pushing them to deal with uncomfortable thoughts and emotions that they've come to, I guess, associate with food, correct? Mm-hmm, exactly. They they now use food anytime it, it becomes like habitual, right? And what's, what's a habit? A habit is just a behavior that we repeat time and time again. Mm-hmm. So a person might find themselves in the kitchen at 11 o'clock p.m. reading the cabinet after everyone else has gone to sleep. And she might not have had a particular particularly difficult day. But what when she takes stock of what's been going on in her life overall, she might see that she started going to the kitchen at 1130 at night as a way to deal with all the stress that happened over the course of the day. And it just became a habit. And so this just became part of her routine that mm-hmm. she does. She just goes to the kitchen, reads the cabinet at 1130. And now she's stuck in this rut of well, every night I find myself overeating and I'm not sure how to get out of it. Hmm. So can you give us an example of a person, a woman who, who 
who is who can go and make and do the deep work of dealing with the uncomfortable thoughts and emotions and, and, and breaking those habitual patterns and what lies on the other side, the change that they've accomplished after after they, they've done the work. And you don't have to name names, but if you have particular examples from your own clients. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think there's like, there's two factors that need to be taken into account here. And I work on it with my clients from, from both angles. So we can think about it kind of like a, a Venn diagram, like two circles that have an overlap part in the mm-hmm. middle. I love Venn diagrams. So go for it. <laughs> okay, great. I'm a total so, Venn diagram nerd. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> so one of the circles is my relationship with food. Uh-huh. And the other circle is dealing with my thoughts and feelings, my uncomfortable thoughts and feelings. And when we join them, we have this beautiful area in the middle there where we get to the food. So an example from, let's say like a mix of a bunch of clients. So it's not about, you know, anyone in particular. So if anybody thinks that they can identify who this person is, I've mixed it up. So it's not just one person. Mm-hmm. So let's say a woman who always found herself um, eating whatever cake she would make, she would always find herself picking at it all throughout the day, all throughout the day, all throughout the day. And through working on realizing that A, she can have, she has unconditional permission to eat this cake whenever she wants to with attunement, which is the fact factor that a lot of people kind of leave out when they think about intuitive eating, they hear intuitive eating, oh my gosh, I can eat whatever I want. Yay. And it's like this whole big party. <laughs> no, there has to be this attunement factor there, which really means just checking in, listening to our bodies. Like, yeah, I can have cake whenever I want, but if I eat cake for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and my snacks in between, I'm going to feel pretty yucky, right? Right. Do I really want to eat cake all day long? Gross. Exactly. <laughs> right. So like most people realize pretty quickly, like, no, 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 that's not what I, that's not what's going to really? feel bad. Mm-hmm. Right. So by giving herself the unconditional permission to eat this cake whenever she wants to with attunement, with listening to her body and learning skills to stop struggling with the uncomfortable thoughts and feelings, she was then able to leave the cake on her counter. And whenever she really wanted it, she would cut herself a slice, put it on a beautiful plate, take it to the table, eat like a mensch, and maybe even leave over some of the cake because she knows she can go back and have it whenever she wants. She doesn't have to gobble it up in every last little crumb mm-hmm. and then go back for seconds and just even out the slice that she took, you know, just to make it nice and neat and organized. And through that, she, and she just goes on with her day. That's it. Finished. Done. Moves on. So, so this, so this means that she's, there's no guilt attached to, I mean, and tell me if this is right. There's no shame. There's no guilt. Right. Right. When there's guilt, right. It's like, let's, I'm sure we can all relate to times in our lives when we felt guilt and felt shame. It's such an overwhelming emotion to have that when we experience it, we can't really get in touch with what we really do need in the moment. Right. So if I'm experiencing guilt or shame, I'm not gonna be. <clears throat> I'm not gonna be able to figure out what it is that my body's asking for in terms of nourishment, like physical nourishment, and I'm certainly not gonna be able to figure out what my body really needs in terms of emotional nourishment because I'm just overwhelmed by this emotion. Right. So, which is perf- the perfect segue to my next question, which is where does the mental work come in? Because I feel like a lot of what you're doing is helping your clients rewire those thoughts or create new thought processes in whatever you know thoughts they associate with their with their food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I can't say that it's like a step one, step two type of thing. Like I don't like only do intuitive eating and then move on to the thoughts afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's a big mushkabobble of the two for, mm-hmm. for sure in the work we do. But it is the beginning stages are much more heavily focused on the intuitive eating aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as time goes on, I'll increase the just naturally like it's not 
it's a very intuitive process. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'll sort of naturally include more work into dealing with those uncomfortable thoughts feeling because, and especially because a lot of times what happens is once a lot of women who come to me, their big struggle that they want to, they want to overcome is this war that they constantly feel at with food. Mm -hmm. And so once we work through that and they feel like, okay, I'm at peace with food and it's all good. So suddenly they're now experiencing all these difficult emotions that they used to cover up with food. And now they're like, uh, now what, what am I supposed to do? You know, I, this is, and it, it can be very overwhelming. So then we have to come in with tools to be able to deal with those. So Rena, is it fair to say that people who go through this work, um, also it trickles into other areas of their lives as well? Have you found that to be true? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Do you have examples of how this kind of work can trickle into other areas? Yeah. So, it, so, you know, it depends how deeply rooted some people's things are, but once we remove the war with food, right? So going back to what I was, I was saying maybe 10 minutes ago, I don't know how long it's been, but going back to what I said earlier about this war with food, kind of masking our ability to really be in touch with ourselves. So once a woman puts that out to the side and she's able to deal with whatever it is. So I've had women who've come to me who, you know, as a coach, I'm able to help them and we work through whatever it is. And then there are women that I referred on to therapists and they finally dealt with, you know, deep rooted issues that had come up only because they finally dealt with all this food stuff and were then able to live their lives as they were truly meant to live them. That's great. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So you talked, I, I read once you talking about a concept of counterfeit control as one of the big hurdles that your students have to get over being the fear of losing control because they've learned, as many of us have, that eating is something um, they kind of have to control, something something they have to reel in and be able to pull in the brakes at times. But you say that in order to do this work, women will have to give up some control in order to later on gain control. I would love for you to address this seeming contradiction. Yeah, it's such a, control is such an interesting fascinating concept. You know, we're trained to think that the tighter we hold on to something, the happier we'll be, the better our results will be, um, the more we'll be able to accomplish. And I think for women, especially, the opposite is true. The more we let go of control, it's, it's such a dichotomy, but the more we let go of control, the more control we actually have over whatever it is that we're dealing with in life. Hmm. So, you know, we can look at that with raising kids, with marriage, um, especially with our food, that when we hold on so tight, that's when things are not fluid and not working out. And then when we can start to relax our grip on things, we can start to take in like a bigger picture of what's happening and yes. then see where we really should be putting, where it would be more productive for us to put our energy and our effort. Um, can I can I even interject here and say, I, I feel it's because we could, when we lose the grip a little bit or a lot, we're actually allowing Hashem to step into the picture. He's oh like, my gosh, he's like yes waiting to help. Exactly. <laughs> and we like hold on to this so tightly that hello. <laughs> exactly. Right. That's so true. And we leave them out of the picture so often. So I'm really glad you interjected there. Right. So it's, it's, it, it's actually beautiful work, what you've done to combine it with just even to bring it to the Jewish to the Jewish public because so much of this work is really part of what we need to do you know just our general service of Hashem mm -hmm. just starting with this very basic premise of allowing God into our lives and um, leaving a little bit of the control but then again going back to the issue of control so let's just say you kind of want your students to let go um, 
now take me to the to the part where they actually gain control in the future. Great. Because when when I know that I have unlimited permission to have whatever I want, so let's mm-hmm. go back to the example of cake. So then it's no longer a struggle to decide if I want cake or not. And then if I'm, let's say, at a kiddish or at a simcha or it's just Shabbos and I made something delicious. So then I feel so grounded and at ease that I'm able to actually just make a choice. Do I want this or do I not? And that's really what control is at the end of the day, being able to just say yes or no, right? When we are holding on so tight that we feel like, oh my gosh, can't possibly make a choice here. Mm-hmm. So then we're not able to make that choice. Right. So 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 what I'm hearing is that intuitive re- eating is it ends up being a way of relating to food that focuses on the positive, on the allowance, as opposed to the lack of or the restriction, right? Which exactly. seems to be the way other food programs or food philosophies are, right? Restrictive. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's through the allowance. I love that word. And, you know, going back to like the sort of male, female way of looking at this, mm-hmm. as women, we understand that for us, it's all about accepting and receiving and like allowing what we're being given in the world mm-hmm. to be, and then to be able to take it and turn something, turn it into something. So when we can allow instead of restricting, instead of holding ourselves back, not being receptive, not, you know, allowing it to come into our lives, that's when we get all you know, tight and are unable to make the choices that are really led by our values. Now, having said that, would you say there's certain triggers that, that a person, as they're doing this work, they do, do you encourage your, your students to pay attention to the triggers that might cause them to unconsciously revert to unhealthy patterns of unhealthy thought processes and emotions towards food? I'm thinking through your question. <laughs> like what I'm, what I'm saying is I'm, I'm guessing like there must be triggers that maybe bring us back um, because we see that in other areas of our lives, right? That even in our relationship with our spouses or with our kids, mm-hmm. certain things that take place can trigger a negative pattern of behavior that we're trying to eradicate, right? Um, mm-hmm. It comes up in our financial lives, right? Something, there's a trigger that brings us back to a bad spending habit or or just, you know, so I'm guessing it kind of works same way with food. And through this work, we have to be aware of where those, tri- what those triggers could be and just respect them and kind of recognize them when they're coming and say, mm-hmm. okay, this just happened, but I'm going to breathe through this emotion. And that doesn't mean that I have to, you know, there's no shame in it. And maybe I don't have to overeat through it or whatever it might be. Yeah. There's so, like, so many angles I want to cover with question. Go for it. <laughs> um, so the first one is that like with, with intuitive eating, from the intuitive eating angle of looking at food and looking at our, our choices as it relates to food, there's no right or wrong when it comes to our food choices. And mm-hmm. as, as, a, as a Jew, what I love to emphasize is that the only right or wrong when it comes to our eating is what the Torah says about what's right or wrong, right? What Judaism says about what's right or wrong with our eating. And so when we look at it from that angle, so if let's say I had a hard day and I wasn't able to cope with my emotions as well that day and I ended up eating emotionally. So then it's no big deal because it's not like I'm on the program or off program. I'm on this amazing journey called life where I'm going to be, you know, hit with or or faced with, I'm going to face so many different circumstances in life and some are going to be easier to coast through and some are going to be more difficult. But I can always take my next step. I can always just take another step, take another step and, you know, figure out what the next best thing for me to do is in that gym. So if somebody overeats, there's a lot of self-compassion that needs to come into place there and realize that I didn't do anything wrong. I don't, I don't have to do chuba for this, right? Like using the example you gave about our kids, our husbands, oftentimes there, you know, maybe I got angry 
angry and I yelled or maybe I, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Did something that like from a, from a Torah perspective was actually inappropriate. Mm. And so when we can start to realize that the religion of dieting is not Judaism. Wow. Please say right? that again. <laughs> the religion of dieting is not Judaism. And so when we can realize like, okay, like, okay, so I ate emotionally, big deal. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't steal the, the food. I didn't, you know, steal money for the food. I just, I just overate. That's all it is. And yeah, I feel uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good physically. And I might have a lot of mixed up emotions in there that are making it feel even worse. But okay, like this happens. And now let me show some love for myself, some compassion and figure out like, what's, what's my next step? What's the be- next best thing for me to do? But I think that's where you, a person like you comes in, Rena, because I don't know that, that I don't know that too many women often can make that last step that you let me figure out what's that. Yeah, it's true. I think that's where a lot of the work comes in, even, even recognizing that I am, I am okay. I am perfect just the way I am. My actions don't define me. I did this thing. It's okay. Again, I didn't do an Avera. I didn't do a, I didn't commit a sin here. I just over ate. That's all it was. And now, you know, to be able to integrate that definitely take, takes work to be able to do that and work through like where these ideas are coming from and where does it show up in, in somebody's life and really help them work through it. That is, that is a big part of it. So I'm also hearing that the mode, the ideal motivator for getting involved in intuitive eating coaching is not necessarily weight loss. Is that correct? Weight loss. Is that correct? That's absolutely correct. What would be the ideal motivator? Yeah, let's talk about that ideal person, if if there is one. What what would you say is a person who who would really benefit from this work? Okay, so here's here's what I have to say. I don't I don't think that intuitive eating is like the answer for everybody. Okay, but the place that intuitive eating brings us to is the answer for everybody. Mm -hmm. And if anyone can get there through other routes, go ahead. Great, you know that's wonderful. Um, but somebody who's looking to get to that end place, which is, it feels so oversimplified to say it like this, but how else do you say it? To have that peace with food where it's no longer a struggle. It's just easy. It's just a natural, normal part of life where sometimes it's, you know, toast and cream cheese. And sometimes it's an elaborate, you know, three course, four course meal that's gourmet and, and whatnot. Um, and to really, to, to be able to come back to ourselves, right? Really find that truth that is within each one of us that so many of us are covering up food. So when somebody wants to work through that, right, they're ready to put all those other things on the back burner, weight loss and, um, you know, diet rules, things like that. They're able to put all that on the back burner and realize that there's something bigger here. There's something bigger that is the birthright of every single person in the world. And that is for us to have menucha senefesh, right? That inner tranquility mm-hmm. is our birthright to be able to have that. And we can't have that when we're at war with food. Yeah. And so I, I still want to reemphasize that a lot of this work, it seems to me, is about learning to trust our own selves. And I th- you said that before. So, but still, Rena, I'm, I, I'm going to push on this point because I wanted to become very clear for listeners because I could already hear women on the other side thinking, but again, I can't trust myself in front of a spread of cakes. I just can't. Like 20 years experience has proven me that I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, or 30 or 40 right. or 50. 
Right. So what do you say to that? So what I say to that is not a very exciting answer, but what I say to that is, what have you tried? Mm. What have you tried? And then I get, you know, a long list of diets diets or of of even not, not formal diets, just things that, you know, information that somebody has picked up over time and thinking that this thing's going to work and that Mm -hmm. thing's going to work and let me just try it. I say, okay, how's that, how's it been working for you? And usually the answer is it's not, it keeps backfiring. And I say, okay, I mean, look, I can't predict the future. I don't know what's going to be for you. I have no way of knowing what's going to be for you, but you haven't given, you haven't tried this. You haven't given this a try. And it's worked for so many other people. There are to date over 80 studies to the efficacy. Not that emotionally we care about studies, but it helps to hear that it has worked for so many people. And so, and so to be able to say like, okay, there's this thing, it's new, it's different, it counterculture, it's scary. It, I don't think I can do it, but to be able to say like everything else isn't working and if I want to be able to live the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 70, you know, 80 years of my life, 90 years of my life without this struggle of food, then maybe I should give this a try. Like maybe there's something here that can really make the difference for me and get me over this gigantic, I was going to say hump at first, but this mm-hmm. gigantic mountain that just feels impassable. Right. And, I, and the key, the key is that it's not about the food. <laughs> it's about right. you're working with, with them, with their emotions, with their thoughts and all the, the whole, all the whole of the complexities of who we are as individuals. And one part of that is our relationship with food. But it goes back yeah. to what you said before that so many people, when they go through this, they end up transforming other areas of their lives because it just, again, the, the work translates into other areas, right? Yep. Because at our core, right, we are, you know, especially as women, we are that intuitive person. All of us women are obviously on different levels, but we all have that. And if we're covering it up with food, then it's not going to be able to shine in all the other areas of life where we need it. Right, right. And the last interview that we did back in episode nine, you talked to us about your own journey and what brought you to this point. And I encourage everybody to go back and listen to that because it was fascinating. And you also talked about a different struggles that, you know, you find women go through related to food and all that. At this time, I want to ask you, Rena, I never asked you this before, but I'm curious about your children. You're a mother and, and, and your children and your work. I mean, being that your work is, I'm sure, a big part of your life, I assume that your children know about it. How can you, ha, what kind of conscious decisions have you made to help your children in their own relationship with food? Or maybe you haven't, maybe it's not something that we should be doing. I mean, can you give us some tips or is, is, is this something they're adopting from you just by osmosis or, you know, what could we be doing better? What are you doing? Such a great question. And it's so interesting because from a professional standpoint, you know, a lot of women, they want to do this work because they want their kids to grow up with a healthy relationship with food. Oh, wow. Yeah. They think like, you know, there's no hope for me. Like I'm a goner, but at least let me raise my kids with a healthy relationship. And what I've seen, and and we know this in all areas of life, right? That when we work on ourselves, when we do the hard work ourselves, right? Then that's what we end up giving over to our family. Right. And if we don't do that work ourselves, then it's that much more difficult when it comes to our families and giving it over to them. Um, and our kids pick up on everything that we do. So if like, if we're still at war with food, then no matter what we try to do with our children, they're going to pick up on that. They're going to pick up on that struggle and it's not going to be easy for them. But when we can model it for them, then that's when the changes start to happen. And so there, there is a method that was that um, it's for adults also. And it's another method that people can go through. It doesn't really 
target the emotional side of things, which is why I personally don't use it with my clients. But it's um, a, a fascinating, amazing concept for people to, in, to implement with their kids, um, which is called Division of Responsibility, Saturn's Division of Responsibility. By um, It was developed by a, one, um, a, a dietitian and therapist mm-hmm. by the name of Ellen Satter. And essentially what it is, is in very, 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 very short, it's you as the parent decide what you're serving, where you're serving it, and when you're serving it. And the kids get to decide if they want to eat and how much. Mm-hmm. That's like, we could do like another three hour podcast on this. But, and when I started implementing this in my own family and also kind of with myself, um, that's when things really started to turn around. And Nash became like, just like, not like a crazy, um, overwhelming burden. Like it just felt so overwhelming for me at first. And now it's just easy. Going to Kiddish is easy. You know, birthday parties are easy. <laughs> All these things are just, they're just a breeze now because there's no, there's no longer a struggle with these things. Hmm. Yeah. I, I think the key is exactly what you said that what we model, I mean, the best thing we could do is model this. And so I, I guess if there's one thing you want to take out of this conversation is that if you are struggling with your relationship with food, um, maybe you should do like some of Rena's um, who have decided to, you know, work on themselves for the sake of their children. And then, you know, you work, you change yourself and you're, you're guaranteeing that you're probably going to be modeling great things for your children as well. Exactly. Exactly. So did we get to describe that ideal um, woman who, um, who you would say would benefit the most from this? You tell me because, you know, it's, I think about this like all day long. So sometimes I think I'm seeing something so clear, but like I'm missing some parts of it. So yeah, I, 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 I want to, I want it, I want it, I wanted you to, to give, shed some light on it a little bit more on, because I want people to, to see, wait, do I, can I relate to this? Is this me? So, so walk me through your typical clients, their, their struggles, who they are. Obviously, it's not necessarily motivated by weight loss, although that might be part of it. Um, tell me, tell me what, what is bringing them to you? And because there must be some commonality, there must be something that people are, can listen to and say, wait one minute, that, that is me. <laughs> Other than, yes, I understand the part about their, they have a war inside of them with food, but can we elaborate on that? Can we give her a persona? <laughs> sure. Okay. So let, let's try. So let's a woman who has tried different ways of, I would say, let's say like this, the women I work with are pretty much all emotional eaters or uh-huh. shall I say like this, really, I'm going to take a step back. They call themselves emotional eaters. And I like to help them reframe it that they eat emotionally sometimes, but let's not, you know, um, when label. we call ourselves, what did you say? Label? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like we don't need to label ourselves as emotional eaters. We can label ourselves as Jewish women, as mothers, as wives. Like those are beautiful labels to take on and to embody. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, they, so they eat emotionally and they've tried many different control tactics. Going back to control. They've tried many different control t- tactics to deal with their, emo- <clears throat> to deal with their emotional eating. Mm-hmm. And it's not working. It might work for a few days, a few weeks, a few months sometimes even a few years but invariably they still come back to the place where they're still emotionally eating and it bothers them so deeply in their core because it's not congruent with who they are who they are as a woman is somebody who accomplishes things in life is able to stick to things and make things happen whether that whether that's outside the home or inside the home right Mm -hmm. so some of my clients are you know like ceos of companies or heads of departments and some women are stay-at-home moms and but the underlying factor is that what they do 
do, they do so well. And there's this thing, the emotional eating that they just can't seem to get a handle on. And they are ready to think different. Hmm. They're ready to peel back the layers and say, okay, I've, I've tried all these more superficial things, some things that are not so superficial, superficial, right? Some women have tried, um, you know, different um, like therapies to try to work through their relationship with food. But when we go back to that, that Venn diagram, and we need to have both factors in place in order to really come out the other side. So women who are ready to, to do that deep inner work and get vulnerable um, and start to shed some light on why they're doing what they're doing with food. I love it. I love it. And I think, I think so many of us can, can relate to that. And I think the key is really wanting and be ready, being ready to what you just said, that deep inner work to get vulnerable um, and really, really just tackle this for what it is, not just on a superficial level. That's what it sounds like to me, right? Yeah. And sometimes it's, oftentimes it's superficial. Um, sometimes it's been a little bit deeper, but still it misses, misses some pieces. So Rena, I want to encourage everybody to, if this, anybody can relate to this, if anybody's struggling and feels like food is not something that you are at peace with, whatever the circumstances around that, that looks like, um, to go find you at renariser.com and sign up to receive all your, your newsletter, your free resources. And in addition to that, we have a great offer for Jewish Latin Princess listeners. Um, Rena runs a monthly group coaching program for $50 a month. And today and for the next seven days, you can join Rena's coaching program for only a dollar for a week, one week trial. So you're basically getting your first week of intuitive eating coaching with Rena for free, which sounds really awesome to me. Yes. And all they have to do is go to renariser.com forward slash JLP, fill out the form and you will be in touch with them to admit them into the program. And it's just a short form that they have to fill out at renariser.com forward slash JLP, right? Exactly. Exactly. And tell us where we find you on iTunes. I'm really excited to listen to these interviews and I encourage everybody to do so if they want to start getting a sense of, you know, what people are going through and how they're working through through their emotions, through their struggle with food. Okay. So you would know this better than I do because you're the podcast queen. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, I guess they go to iTunes and search for Jewish Intuitive Eating Journeys. That's that right. right. That's okay. exactly right. That's what I did. And I hit that subscribe button. So yes. Oh, thank you. So don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Yes. So go to iTunes. <laughs> that is exactly what you're supposed to say. Go to iTunes and search for Jewish Intuitive Eating Journeys and you'll find the podcast there and great interviews with different women of of all walks of life. Right, Rena? Yep. All different stages of life. And yeah. Yep. Amazing. Amazing. Well, Rena, thank you so much for coming back and giving us a deeper insight into your work. I really, you know that I'm a big fan and I so appreciate this. Oh, I'm so grateful that you called me back to, to come back because, you know, this work is constantly evolving. We're all evolving in the way that we think about things, the way we do things. And it's so nice to be able to share another angle to what, how I'm trying to help uh, Jewish yes. women around the world. Yes, beautiful. So everybody check it out, renariser.com forward slash JLB. Thank you so much, Rena. Thanks again to Rena Reiser for stopping by. It's always a pleasure to have these insightful conversations with Rena about this important topic in the lives of women. And I see why so many of her clients comment on the positive effects of her voice. It really does have a calming effect. Now, if you want to find Rena and her work, you can subscribe to her podcast, Jewish Intuitive Eating Journeys on iTunes, and you can visit her website, renariser.com, where you'll be able to sign up for her newsletter and tons of free resources. And very important, if 
any of this resonated with you today and you think you might benefit from some intuitive eating coaching, can I please encourage you to try it for free for a week? This week only, Rena is offering her coaching program, which is usually priced at $50 a month for $1, a dollar for a week trial. So you get to experience this for pretty much free, no commitment, and then you get to decide if this is helpful and you want to continue on the intuitive coaching journey. That's a very sweet offer. So head over to renareiser.com forward slash JLP to fill out the short form and get admitted into the program for the first week for $1. Good luck, everyone. And I hope you found this helpful. And if you are struggling in this area of your life, please, I encourage you with Whether it is through Rena's work, through other intuitive eating coaching, or through other methods, as long as you can get to the manuchas and nefesh that Rena talked about, that true inner peace that you're seeking so that you can thrive and be your best self, please explore it. I wish you much, much success. And speaking of success, did you know that Jewish Latin Princess is ranking the top podcast on iTunes Judaism category? If you've been reading my newsletters, you know that this was a big shocker to me and in many ways a wonderful case of Yerida Letzorech Aliyah or descent for the sake of an ascent because iTunes had a couple weeks ago graciously decided to delist my podcast without giving me any warning and without giving me any information on why this happened so I had to go back and figure it out on my own pretty much well I asked for help everywhere I could until we figured it out and we got the, po the podcast listed again except now it went up as a new podcast so <laughs> I reach out to so many of you I let you know that we're still we're still going and going strong and you know if you want to help me give it the boost it deserves please go ahead and subscribe again and leave a rating again and you did a great job because right away it went and moved into the top the number one podcast in iTunes Judaism category now When I saw that, I became even more determined to get this show into the lives of, the, of as many podcast listening Jewish women as possible. And I figured since all of this happened through iTunes and because iTunes delisted and we had to relist it again, I'm going to use iTunes to our benefit and I'm going to allow iTunes to help us with reaching that goal. So if we can keep those subscriptions, those reviews and those downloads going at, at an increasing rate for the next seven weeks, we might even make it to their new and noteworthy category. Since now we're kind of new, even though we're 65, almost 65 episodes in. I know it's a pretty ambitious goal, but hey, we could try, right? So go ahead and leave me a review and catch up on all those older episodes you may have not listened to yet. There are so many good ones. I should actually put out a list of which ones are the most popular so you get a, a sense of what other listeners are loving. Episode number one, as I said before, is definitely one of them. I personally don't think I can, you know, determine which are my favorites because I like them all for so many different reasons um but anyways thanks again always for the support and for being here please leave a rating leave me a review i have great interviews coming up through the re throughout the rest of the summer although i'm taking it a little bit easier i don't know if you noticed and spending a lot more time with my children and i'll also be traveling a few times in july and in august so if you don't get your episode straight on your app on monday mornings like i usually try to make it throughout the summer now you know why i hope you're having a lovely summer don't forget to share the podcast with the women you love and if you have a suggestion of a uniquely talented jewish woman whom you'd like me to feature on the show please reach out to me yael at jewishlatinprincess.com have a great week everyone thanks for listening to jewish latin princess podcast if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe on itunes 
leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.